I had a client who was married to somebody for 30 years. She said, I trust my husband. My husband would never cheat on me ever. It could never happen. She believed that. She caught him in bed with a woman. What happens to that belief in that moment that you've had for 30 years? Gone. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mind Valley. What you're listening now is being recorded in front of a live audience. And our guest today, Shelly Lefko, is a woman who's had a profound impact on my life because of what I've learned from her about the power of our beliefs. If you've read my books, such as The Buddha and the Badass or The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, you would have heard me talk about beliefs, how beliefs shape our world. What we believe to be true ends up becoming true. In fact, the psychologist Paul Marston said, it is more accurate to say not that we have beliefs, but that beliefs have us. Beliefs possess us. Beliefs define how we view the world. And because of our nature as human beings, the beliefs will actually determine the reality that we experience in the world. This is a really profound, profound idea. And so when it comes to beliefs, no one has influenced me more than Shelley and her late husband, Morty Lefko. Both of them developed a system called the Lefko Method. And you can learn more about Shelley and her work on lefkoinstitute.com. That's L-E-F-K-O-E institute.com. Morty and Shelley developed a unique method to help people overcome everything from eating disorders to phobias to depression to healing everyday problems like procrastination, shyness, fear of public speaking, and even the inability to form healthy relationships, all by tapping into and understanding the science of beliefs. So I got acquainted with Shelley and Morty's work because we are both part of the Transformational Leadership Council, this unique group of America's top authors and trainers and coaches. And this idea started influencing me as a parent. And so I would bring them onto Mind Valley. I would interview Morty and Shelley. And finally, I was so inspired by their work that we launched a conference solely on beliefs with Morty and Shelley as our keynote speakers. And it was called A-Fest. It happened in Costa Rica, and I believe it was 2016. And it was Morty's last stage appearance before he passed away two weeks later of cancer. So Shelly and I have been dear friends. Shelly's work has influenced me, my family, my children. And I wanted to give you the gift today of listening to Shelly Lefko. So Shelly, welcome to Mind Valley. Thank Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, thank you. You're so profound in terms of how you share. I'd love to just, rather than start with a question, give you space to start with whatever idea you feel is most relevant to our audience today. Okay. I'll give you a little background. You know, when we started talking about beliefs 35 years ago, people would say, beliefs? You mean like religious beliefs? What do you mean beliefs? So we were really back on the cutting edge of this when my husband realized he was on a plane and he was looking at why nothing you know, everything that was supposed to happen in his life, big things that were supposed to happen just didn't happen. And he started journaling a little bit like Neil, (laughs) but he was journaling. And at the end of this plane trip, he came up with this process to quickly and permanently eliminate beliefs. And by beliefs, I mean something very specific. 
So a belief is a statement about reality that we believe is the truth. Okay. So it's not like a little bit or somewhat. A belief is, I believe this is true. Most of our beliefs are unconscious. We don't even know that we have them. As Vishen so eloquently said, they really run our lives. And, you know, a lot of people can listen to spiritual teachers, or you can listen to people teach you great wisdom. You could read Vision's books. They're brilliant. And if you have beliefs in the way, you're not going to be able to utilize the information, or you may not be able to utilize the information. The most common beliefs, I'm not good enough. Mistakes and failures are bad. And you may know that this is not the truth. I had read every book, every business book that told you, you must make mistakes and you're going to be mediocre. If you don't, you have to fail. I had the belief mistakes and failures were bad from my childhood and it stopped me every day. We have beliefs like what makes me good enough is something. So if what makes you good enough is being successful and you're successful, the beach ball called I'm not good enough will be held underwater by your driven, what we call survival strategy beliefs. So if, if you need to have, be, or do something that makes you good enough or makes you important, it's driven. It's like a heroin addiction. You have to do it every day. That's what workaholism is. So for those of you who suffer with workaholism and you don't know your kids and you're not at home with your family and you're working all the time and you feel guilty if you don't, you probably have the belief what makes me good enough is achieving things because that's what you got acknowledged for as a child. Many of us, including the belief that totally ran my life was what makes me good enough is having other people think well of me. And when I got rid of that belief, the example I use, Vision, I promote you a lot because I always tell people when I spoke at Mind Valley in Croatia in front of 600 people, I got two standing ovations. But when I got my comments, so one said she was great, bring her back. I loved her. Another person said, boring. Now I'm a lot of things, but I don't know about boring, <laughs> but some people are not going to like you and think well of you. And where in the past that would have put me away. Now it's like, I look at the comments and I say, what could I do to improve? Is this real? Does this make sense? What this person is saying? Do a lot of people say it, or is it just this one person? And then I make the changes, but it no longer defines me. So there's tremendous freedom in getting rid of your beliefs. I'll say one last thing. I don't know if you want to talk about how they're formed or not and get into the weeds with beliefs, but what I wanted to say about the world today in what's going on in the world, but very much in America, it's gotten very polarized. Beliefs have driven this narrative of you're this or you're that, you're either a Trumper or you're a religious fanatic, or you know, if you're a Democrat, if you vote Democrats, you're going to have a socialist government. You're going to be living in a socialist world. And people who are very smart, I have a friend who's very smart. She's very spiritual. She's been a meditator for most of her life. She believes this, that if you vote Democrat, you're going to be living in a socialist world. And I said, how could you vote for Donald Trump? I don't understand. Explain your thoughts to me. And her beliefs were 
She said, I'm not voting for the man. I don't like him. She said, but I'm voting for my country. So beliefs divide us. They keep us from having healthy relationships. They make us do things that make no sense. And they really do cause suffering in the world. And racism is nothing more than beliefs. It's so interesting. As viruses can infect us, beliefs infect us. You said racism is nothing more than a belief. Could you speak about that? Yes, I will. And I love what you share in your book about that, about what it was like for you living in America and what happened when you got on a plane. So if you are born, you don't know that there is anything Black and white are colors. You learn them. They have no meaning, okay? So we teach a lot about meaning, the meaning that we assign to events. And those meanings produce all of our feelings. So if you're born and if you're Black, I have a lot of Black clients right now, you might be told by your parents, you have to work twice as hard to be just as good. Or you might be told by people that you're inferior and you might hear things that you're not as good as others. Or you might be born in the South where there might be racial prejudice and your your mother was, you know, I have a client whose mom was mugged, let's just say that, by somebody who's African-American. And he grew up with the belief that Blacks are dangerous. That's a belief. And when he worked with me and got rid of that belief, In fact, Morty worked with a skinhead, a neo-Nazi on national television and helped him get rid of the belief blacks are dangerous. And he started going to other skinhead organizations to start telling them that they were wrong. Wait, that's so interesting. So Morty, your late Late husband, husband on national television, worked with a skinhead and got him to change his beliefs about black Americans. What does that process look like? Because I'm so puzzled. Can you really get someone who's a racist to just change their belief? How did Morty do that live so quickly? Yeah, I just did it on a podcast with Seth Green and he was like blown away. It was wonderful. But I'll answer the question as best I can. My process is something you have to experience. Unfortunately, I just wish I could do it with, you know, 10,000 people all at the same time. If we can untrain people from racism... That would be an incredible gift. Firstly, Thanksgiving would get a lot less awkward because if you have that crazy aunt or grandparent, you can help them without being offended by them. It's really interesting. Even in my family right now, I have Indian families use WhatsApp. If you're in an Indian family, you probably know this. Every Indian family has a WhatsApp group. My Indian family, which is massive, has a WhatsApp group. And there's that one that one cousin who believes that women shouldn't be CEOs Trump is almighty, Joe Biden is evil, and he constantly has to push his views on everyone. And I wish there was a way to just get him to see the world differently, because sometimes he can be really hurtful. That would be an interesting thing to talk about and very useful for us. Let me explain something. This is going to get a a little bit complex, but I'm going to do it. I'm always warned not to do this, but I think your listeners are savvy enough. So when you come into this world, I'm going to answer your question about how you get rid of a belief. Okay. When you come into this world, you don't know if you're good enough or not good enough. You don't know if money is scarce and hard to get or it's abundant. You do not know if the world is a safe place or dangerous. You don't know. And here you come into this world and you either have 
two parents or one parent, but you have parents and you look at them and you watch them. Every child's alive. And I have clients now in every country in the world. And when I ask my client in Uganda, what does your little kid do when you run in? And what is the one question they ask? The question every child asks is why? Why is this happening, right? Here's the thing. We give meaning to events. And that meaning turns into beliefs. You see it enough. Now, we think we see the meaning that we give events in the world. I saw that life was hard every day of my childhood. No, you saw your parents struggle, but your world is this big. And you think, oh, this is the world. Life is hard. I saw that. I'm not good enough. I have worked with five Harvard PhDs who had the belief I'm stupid. They knew they're not stupid, but they still believed that they saw they were stupid. So one of them had a father who used to slap him on the head and say, genius, every time he did something wrong. He said, Shelly, I saw that I was stupid. Now, there are lots of steps to get you to this place. But once you get, I never saw I'm stupid. I saw my father hit me on the head and call me stupid. I saw myself struggle in school. I saw my parents struggle. Anything you could see has a color, shape, and location. You cannot see a belief. However, it is impossible to not believe something you think you see. So if Vishen said, oh, by the way, you know, Shelly's a blonde, you'd say, no, she's a redhead. And he'd say, no, she's blonde. And you would fight him to the death because you think you see that. Now, here's the wonderful thing. If I took my hair off and there was a wig and you saw a blonde hair, you'd go, oh. And beliefs are this powerful. I had a client who was married to somebody for 30 years. She said, I trust my husband. My husband would never cheat on me ever. It could never happen. She believed that. She caught him in bed with a woman. What happens to that belief in that moment that you've had for 30 years? Gone. What happens when you're all kids? You believe in Santa Claus. Eight years. And then one day you go, wait a minute. That's my father in a Santa Claus. That happened to me. It was devastating. It was my granddad. It ruined my childhood. <laughs> but the belief went away, right? Yeah, the belief went and away. And never came back because you got, I never saw that there was a Santa Claus. Right. Now, you cannot do the process with people at Thanksgiving, but I'll give you a little trick, Okay. This is something that can totally and completely change your life. Now, if you get rid of beliefs, you will not have feelings because you will not give events meaning. Mm -hmm. So a dog comes into the room, you have the belief dogs are dangerous. You're going to give it the meaning, uh-oh, danger, right? So the meanings that we give events all day long come from our beliefs. 
if you believe people can't be trusted and somebody says something to you, the meaning you give it is, yeah, you can't trust this person. Mm. So how you can get rid of a negative emotion in the moment is when something happens, if you get upset or you get like, even with your cousin at Thanksgiving, you start to get, oh God, you get angry, you get upset, you want to punch him. You just say, okay, he just said that. What meaning does it have? Well, it could mean he's an idiot and he's a racist and he... And it could mean that he has some negative beliefs that are making him speak that way. Here's the thing. Events do not have inherent meaning. Meaning is in your mind. Meaning is always made up. So I use the example, Vision knows Morty and I had the most exquisite relationship. We loved each other for 37 years. When he died, it was the most devastating thing in the world. I miss him every day. However, the fact that he died has no inherent meaning. And another way of saying that is you don't know anything for sure because something happens. The fact that he died doesn't mean I'll never love again. It doesn't mean I'm going to starve to death. It doesn't mean I'm going to go out of business. It doesn't mean I'll never have sex again. Nothing. And here's the thing. Those were the meanings that I was giving his death that kept me in bed. So there's a difference between healthy grieving. I cry. I miss him. But when you don't want to get out of bed or you get up in the morning during COVID and you say, oh, God, life is terrible and horrible, you can stop and say, what happened? There's a virus out there. What meaning did I give it? I'm never going to have a life again. What else could it mean? Well, it's an opportunity to go inside and do some work on yourself. It's an opportunity to catch up on things and people that you've wanted to catch up on. So if you can look at the event and get the meaning is in here, not in the event, those emotions will go away. Now, ultimately, you want to get rid of the beliefs, so you stop giving meaning. Now, let me make a distinction. Beliefs are formed in the past. Meaning is formed in the moment. So you could say to your cousin, you know, the fact that Donald Trump says this or did that could mean he would make a great president, but what else could it mean? You know, and you could kind of break up the meaning that they're giving events by giving alternative meanings. Right. So let's try an experiment. So recently in my family WhatsApp group, my cousin, my troublemaker cousin posted a message. It was a news article about a Norwegian ship captain. So again, guys, this is going to trigger some of you, but Let's play with this. So he posted a news article about a Norwegian ship captain, captain of a military ship who was a woman, and she had navigated the ship to a rock or an iceberg or something, and the ship sank. And he went on a rant about how women shouldn't be in the military and women are too emotional to have any type of powerful job and all of that regular like misogynistic nonsense. Someone probably broke his heart years ago and he's just venting. How would you in that scenario maybe help a family member 
who has been infected by a bad belief. I'm not saying they're a bad person. I'm saying they've been infected by a bad belief, right? How would you help navigate that? Like if I was having that conversation with him about that Norwegian ship captain, what would I say? Well, there's two things. One is actually trying to get rid of a belief and I'll help you kind of play with that. Because I think in a case like this, getting them to see that the events have no meaning of whatever they saw might be a little trickier. I'll take the easy way first. So the easy way is what, ask him, what happened? A Norwegian captain sunk a ship. Mm -hmm. And that could mean women should not be captains of ships. What else could it mean? Could you come up with another possible interpretation? And then he would say, probably not. And you could say, well, it could mean that woman shouldn't have been a captain of a ship. And it could mean that some women shouldn't be, but men have sank ships as well. So maybe men shouldn't be captains of ships. And then you can ask if there's another possible meaning. Is what you said the truth or simply one interpretation? Now, if you want to go back to the source of where he got the belief, Mm -hmm. you can say, you know, you weren't born with this belief how do you know that women shouldn't be CEOs? And, you know, where did you get that belief from? And he will tell you, and you can say, well, you know, that makes sense that you could have concluded that, you know, my husband, bless his magnificent soul, would have looked at Donald Trump and said, you know, Shelley, if you were brought up the way he was, and you had the beliefs he had, you would be behaving the way he did. While I was screaming at the TV, he would do that, you know, He had great compassion for people, great compassion. And that's interesting, great compassion for people. Morty, I don't think he was a guy who ever got angry with anyone because he saw that person as simply someone who had a belief and that belief had infected them and that that belief could be removed. It wasn't them, it was the belief. Two people at his memorial vision said they knew him 40 years. They never heard him say a bad word about anybody. That's incredible. I think when you understand beliefs to that level, you see the world differently. So let me just finish the process. So now you ask him this question. Would you be willing to play a game with me? And he'd say, maybe. Yeah. Say, great. So the fact that whatever the source of his belief is, a woman screwed me over or whatever happened, you know, and you say, well, okay. So the fact that a woman was incompetent or did something to hurt you could mean that women are, let's just say women are second-class citizens. What's another interpretation that you couldn't see then that you could see now? And you come up with some really good interpretations to break up the belief as the truth. And then you say to him, doesn't it seem like you saw women shouldn't be CEOs or whatever his belief is. Women are second-class citizens. And he'll say, I did see that. And here's the magic. You can't see women. Women is 3.5 billion women. So the first thing is you can't see women. You saw a woman do something to you when you were a child or earlier in life. You saw that. 
Where was women are second-class citizens? Oh, that was in my mind. I made that up. Wow. So it's a two-part process. I can take everybody through if you want. Let's actually do this. Would you guys like to learn this technique? And we're not just talking about it to deal with misogynists or deal with the racist family member. You could use this on your kid. Let's just choose an example. I was going to actually do it with people using the belief I'm not good enough to do it with your audience so that they can actually eliminate a belief. Before we get there, give us a quick summary of how you would do it with your friend who's afraid of socialism. Okay, so here's the problem with racism and social and all this kind of stuff. For my process to work, people have to be willing Mm. to have the conversation. See, people come to me every day saying, I want to change. And if you're not willing to engage in this process, nothing's going to change. So you have to want to. So I might say to her, again, politics is so loaded, but where did you get the idea that we are going to devolve into socialism if the Democrats win? Well, they said it on Fox News. Oh, well, one interpretation is they're right. It's true. What's another interpretation? Fox News, like MSNBC, is a little, for those of you who live in America, one is a right-wing station, one is a left-wing station. So one interpretation is the people on Fox News think that's true, but it doesn't mean it is true. Another interpretation is they're slanting the news to their own bias. And you'd come up with, I don't know what other interpretations are, that just because we give entitlements doesn't mean that's we're going to become socialists. So you break up the reality by looking at alternative interpretations. And then I would say, doesn't it seem like you saw that if the Democrats win, we will be a socialist country? Yes. Did you ever see that? Can you see that in the world? No. What did you see? I saw people on Fox News saying that. Well, where was it's true? Well, that was in my mind. I made that up. Mm-hmm. So now, what else did it mean? And then what did you see? What else does it mean? What did you see? I like that. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality, to health and wellness, to relationship, is that life is enormous And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. Approach. 
Awesome. Now let's go on to removing a not good enough belief. Okay. Now, some of you, I'm sure, have either worked with me or done our natural confidence program, which is 19 self-esteem beliefs. We've reached over almost 200,000 people now. So if you have eliminated, I'm not good enough, take a belief, something that you believe to be true and say the words out loud and then don't speak, don't do anything. So for most of you say, I'm not good enough. Now, if you have any energy on those words, you have the belief. So the first way you know you have a belief is it doesn't feel good when you say it because I'm not good enough is just words, <laughs> just like any other words. There's a belief that people have, I'm not worth loving. And when you say those words, if you have the belief, you will probably cry. I'm not important. And if you want to take a belief like money is scarce and hard to get, you can do that. But just say the words out loud and stay with this belief, okay? Now, ask yourself the question, where did you first discover that belief? So you came into the world, and, and again, please understand, not everybody will be able to do this because sometimes it takes like finesse and help from a facilitator, but I think a lot of you can do it. So if you have the belief, I'm not good enough, there are no such thing as the perfect parents. So think of a time where you were criticized by your parents. They loved you. They meant well. But, you know, my father was the most loving father in the world. And he used to say, ah, you don't use your head. You know, things like that. <laughs> and I had this belief. Okay. So where did the belief come from? And you can write it down. I'm not good enough if you really failed in school or didn't do well, you didn't get good grades. And I'm going to help you with that specifically too. And it isn't one event, okay? It isn't my father once called me a whatever. It could be, but mostly it's not. Now, we're going to look at that source and we're going to ask, make believe that me and you and Vision are standing in a circle and we're watching this childhood episode right? These events. What is another interpretation that you couldn't see as a child that you could see now that would explain the events that you're looking at? So for I'm not good enough, and you can also talk about somebody just said marriage doesn't work, relationships don't work, men are stupid, men are whatever. So let's say it's I'm not good enough. And Vision says, you know, I'm looking at this childhood. And what I see is your parents didn't have parenting skills. They didn't know how to empower you. So they said the same stupid things that their parents said to them. But that doesn't mean you're not good enough. Is that a valid interpretation? Would that explain what we see? Yes. You failed in school. And it could mean you're not good enough. And it could mean that you weren't learning in your learning style. I'm not an auditory learner. I'm a visual learner. So school was not fun for me. So one interpretation is you weren't in a good school system and it has nothing to do with how good enough or how smart you were. Is that a valid interpretation? You know, maybe your parents had unrealistic expectations of children. 
parents expect children to get straight A's, but they don't excel at everything. Parents expect children to sit still in restaurants. I've never met a child who wants to sit still in a restaurant. So parents have unrealistic expectations of you. And that's why they yelled. And that's why they were disappointed. And that's why they said the things they did. Now, this is very important. Even if it were true, and it is almost never true, even if your parents thought you weren't good enough, or you weren't lovable, or that you weren't important, even if they did, that doesn't mean it's true. Because if Vishen and I lived next door, we would have thought you were perfect just the way you were. So does everybody have a bunch of alternative, at least three alternative interpretations? If there are other valid interpretations, is what you said, I'm not good enough, or whatever belief you're asking yourself, is that the truth or simply one valid interpretation? Now, this is the most important step, and I'm going to explain it, okay? After this one, sorry. Doesn't it seem like as a child or earlier in life, you saw that belief in the world? I saw I'm not good enough. I saw nobody loves me. I saw money is scarce and hard to get, whatever you're working on. Doesn't it seem like you saw that? Now, for those of you who think, no, I felt it, I'm going to get there. But let's say with saw. Now, I want to explain this very quickly. If you think somebody doesn't like you and they walk by you and don't say hello, wouldn't you say to me, or Vishen, see, I told you they don't like me. Vishen knows that one. Mm-hmm. See, Vishen doesn't like me. He didn't say hello to me. You can see Vishen not say hello to you, but you can't see he doesn't like me. That's an interpretation. Okay. So doesn't it seem like you saw I'm not good enough? Now, look again. Did you ever see I'm not good enough? Or whatever belief you're working on. Does that belief have a color, a shape, or a location? You can't see your result was not good enough. That's beautiful. So somebody said, no, I didn't see I'm not good enough. I saw my result wasn't good enough. You can't see good enough. Good enough is an interpretation. It's an assessment. You could see you didn't get an A or you didn't get a B or your result wasn't what you wanted it to be. It didn't produce the result you wanted, but you cannot see not good enough. So you can see people using you, throwing you away, whatever that looked like, giving you up for adoption or not spending time with you. I could see what your parents did. I can see that or whoever did that to you. But where was I'm not good enough? If that wasn't out there to be seen, where was that? Okay, somebody said in me or in my mom. I can't see what's in your mom. And if you say in me, is the belief in your liver? Is it in your shoulder? Where in you was the belief? In my mind. 
It was made up. Beautiful. See, it's not in your heart. Beliefs don't live in your heart. They live in your head. You look at events and of course you concluded this. That's why I went into the parenting business because I want parents to not do this because this is what kids are going to conclude. But the only place the belief existed was in, you're welcome, was in your mind. You made it up. Now, let's go one step further. I'm not saying that what happened to you wasn't tragic sad, upsetting, horrible. I work with incest survivors, my favorite population of people to work with. Because when I get to this part of the process, what happened to you might be terrible or horrible, but it's not happening anymore. It happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. What meaning does it have? What do I know for sure because somebody used you and threw you away as a kid. You don't know anything about Vishen's childhood. If he told you I was beaten every day, that does not mean he wasn't going to grow up to be a humanitarian, a philanthropist, an amazing human being who gets up every single day and makes a difference in the world. You know, people say, well, you can't do five things at once. Just pick one. I look at Vishen's life and I I just go... (laughs) It feels like he's in three places at the same time. And yet he's never overwhelmed. He's never, you know, crazy. So the fact that this happened to you as a child has no inherent meaning. It doesn't mean you're not good enough. It doesn't mean you're not a kind, loving, wonderful, valuable person. Events have no meaning. Now, last step. This is very powerful. Doesn't it seem like, and I want everybody to write yes on the chat. Doesn't it seem like the events, what happened to you, made you feel that belief? So your parents criticizing you made you feel not good enough. Or being used and thrown away made you feel worthless. Can events that have no meaning make you feel anything? So you're walking down the street. Somebody walks, a man walks past you. It has no meaning. What are you going to feel? No, you don't choose to feel anything. So stay with me. If a man walks past you and it has no meaning, you're not going to feel anything, right? Happens all the time. If you give it the meaning he's dangerous, you will feel fear. If you give it the meaning, he'll protect me, you will feel safe. All of your feelings come from the meaning you give events, not events. Wait, all of our feelings come from the meaning we give events, not the events itself. Ever. Vision walks past me and doesn't say hello. And I give it the meaning, oh, Vision is always, you know, preoccupied with some project. You know, he probably didn't even see me. I'm not going to get upset. If your spouse walks in and doesn't kiss you hello, and they never kiss you hello until later, you're not going to feel anything. If you give it the meaning they're having an affair, you're going to get upset. If you give it the meaning they must have had a hard day, you're going to feel compassion. So what made this last question? What made you feel whatever belief you're working on? What made you feel not good enough? 
Yes, the meaning or the interpretation. Not repeating the thought, your perception. The meaning you gave the event determined that feeling that you weren't good enough. Now, everybody close your eyes and imagine the same events, okay? And Auntie Shelley is there and we had this conversation and you look at the same events and give it different meaning. Give it one of the interpretations that you gave. My parents have unrealistic expectations. I'm in a school that's archaic. My parents struggle with money, but there are people who make it easily and effortlessly. My parents think failure is bad, but they don't understand that you can't be successful without failing. And as you're giving the same events, that meaning, do you still have the feeling that you're not good enough? And if you didn't, then would you today? Now, everybody take a deep breath. Say the belief that you worked on out loud. Does it feel the same or different? See, if it feels less painful, go back. It should feel flat, 100%. Go back to the point where you ask yourself, did you ever see the belief in the world? And if you get that you didn't, the pain will be 100% gone. Now, there may be other beliefs. That's why, you know, we work with people. That's why natural confidence, you can go over the different beliefs. Amazing. The belief I had, completely gone. So as a company is growing, I had a belief, I'm not qualified to be the CEO of a billion-dollar company. That was my belief, right? And then as I went through this exercise, I traced it to something my abusive school principal did to me when I was 16 years old. And I realized that I formed a belief that I wasn't good enough many, many years ago. That would have been like, that's what that was a long time ago. But it's incredible. <laughs> I, I love this approach. But could you break it down? Because I was so caught up in the process. I need a refresher. And I think it's true for everyone else. What are the steps? As we come to the closing end, what are the three steps? If you could break it down into steps so we could take this down and we could apply it to other beliefs. Could you tell us the steps, please? Yeah, you can also go to recreateyourlife.com and eliminate a belief for free. So it's re, R-E, recreateyourlife.com. And you eliminate a belief for free. And then if you are happy, you can buy the Natural Confidence Program and get rid of 19 beliefs. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Everyone listening, you can check out recreateyourlife.com. And there are a number of options there. You can eliminate a I'm not good enough belief. I'm not important belief. Mistakes and failures are bad belief. This is so cool. And that's Shelly's website. And you'll be contributing to Shelly and her work by checking out that website. So the steps are... First of all, what do you want to change? What's your unwanted pattern? Because nobody cares about eliminating beliefs. You want to get rid of patterns. And a pattern is something observable. I procrastinate. I don't stand up for myself. I feel fear all the time. Those are patterns. That's really what you want to change. And then you find a belief that's causing the pattern. And the first question is, what belief do you have? You want to test it, say it out loud, and see how it feels. What belief do you have? Where did that belief come from? So get to the source. Then after you get to the source, you look at alternative interpretations. Then doesn't it seem like you saw that belief in the world? What is that last step? Step four, doesn't it seem like you saw that belief in the world? Could you yep. elaborate on that? Yeah. So when you go back, doesn't it seem like if we go back to the events, 
you actually saw money is scarce and hard to get, or I'm not good enough, or you saw life is hard. Doesn't it seem like you saw that? And most people say, yes, there are some kinesthetic people who say I felt it, which is a whole nother conversation. But for 90% of you, yes, I saw it. If you were there, you would have seen it. Next step is, and this is the most important step in the process. Did you ever really see that belief? Does it have a color, shape, and location? And there are moments, guys, where you're going to say, yes, I saw it. If you were there, no, but, but I did see it. And I have people fighting with me. No, I saw it. And I'd say, good, point to it. I'm watching the videotape. Point to, I'm not good enough. Life is hard now. Also beliefs, people have beliefs like I can't lose weight. You don't want to work on beliefs that come from beliefs. So keep it simple. Doesn't it seem like you saw it? Did you ever see it? No. And then the next question is, what did you see? And again, you cannot see, well, I didn't see I'm not lovable. I just saw my mother didn't love me. You cannot see somebody doesn't love you. All you ever see are behaviors. People do things or don't do things. They're there or they're not there. So you can see an absence. I'm not important is an absence of a parent, an absence of attention. So if I'm watching a videotape, I could see your parents aren't paying attention to you. You're alone all the time. That is seeable. But I can't see they don't love you. And I can't see that you're not important to them. So you can only see event behavior people doing things, saying things, or the absence of things. So what did you see? Now, the next step is, where was the belief? And that was in your mind. The belief was in your head. It's no place other than in your head. When you get that, I made it up, poof, that's when it goes away. And you can stop there, or you can go on and ask, what meaning does it have that that happened? What do I know for sure? So if you were molested as a child, millions of people were molested. The fact that you were molested wasn't fun. It was scary at the time, but it doesn't have meaning. We don't know anything about you or men or people or life because you were molested. So again, I'm not making light of what happened to you. I'm giving you a way to free yourself from what happened to you. Okay. So I don't know anything for sure. I don't know all men are not horrible because one man or woman did that to you. I don't know that you're worthless or powerless or anything because that happened to you. So what meaning does it have? And then the answer is always going to be nothing. But doesn't it seem like that event made you feel that way? Being molested made you feel powerless. Yes. Can events that have no meaning make you feel anything? And the answer is no. Events can't make you feel anything. So what did? The meaning I gave the events. And then go back, give it a different meaning, and the feeling will go away. Then say the belief out loud. Okay, that's amazing, Shelley. The first one is, what is your unwanted pattern? I feel fear. I feel I'm not good enough, etc. Number two, what belief do you have causing the pattern? I'm not qualified. I am broken, etc. Three, get to the source. Look at alternative interpretations. 
go back to the event. What did you see? Doesn't it really seem like you saw what you think you saw? But question number five, but did you really see that belief? Did it have a color, a shape, a location? Question number six, so what then did you actually see? You cannot see a belief. Only you behaviors. can see an absence of something, but not a truth. For example, your parents were absent. That's not mean they did not love you. Number seven, so where was the belief then? And the answer is it was in your head. Number eight, what meaning did it have? The answer will always be nothing. But doesn't it seem that that event made you feel this way? Can events that have no meaning make you feel anything? And the answer is no. So what did? Question nine. So what did? The meaning oh. I gave the events. Perfect. Now go back and give it another meaning. And then say the belief out loud. That's the last step. The old belief out loud. When you say the belief out loud, it should feel like most of my clients say it feels silly now. Awesome. Got it. I love it. So thank you so much, Shelly. And thank you all for joining us. For those of you who are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, you can become part of Mindvalley by going to mindvalley.com forward slash access and the whole world of personal growth. This is the most transformative thing you can do in your life on the planet. Nothing even comes close to Mindvalley at this point. Everything is unlocked for you for practically $2 a day. So thank you, Shelly. And thank you everyone for joining. Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.